Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. Welcome to season six of Busy House Happy Home. I'm thrilled to have you here with me and I really hope that you enjoy this season's episodes. I'm very excited to have Millie Voice on the podcast today. Millie is just an extraordinary young lady. I actually know Millie's mother and I'm really excited to have this conversation with Millie. She is a runner and a teacher and believes in giving young people confidence, which is something that I am so passionate about. So Millie, welcome to Busy House Happy Home. Hello, I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, Millie, it's it's exciting to have you. Millie, will you tell our listeners a little bit about you and uh, where you're living, what you're doing, um, so everyone everyone can sort of get to know you a little bit? Yes, of course. So uh, my name is Millie, surname Voice, and that sort of gives an indication. It's not a stage name, actually, my surname. It is my real name. But I am a teacher specialising in public speaking. I have recently moved back after seven years based in the Alps, uh, where I was teaching and also... You're in Switzerland, weren't you? The Swiss Alps. Yeah, I was in Switzerland, yes, exactly. Um, I was at a brief stint in the French Alps prior to that, and then was based working at an international school in the canton of Valais in Switzerland for five years. And I've just moved back last, the end of last summer, and I was teaching out there as well as long distance running, which is another huge part of my life. So that's a sort of synopsis of, of me. I now work in a school um, just outside of London and just getting used to London life again. It's quite. A, it must be quite a shock, Millie, from from the Swiss Alps to to be back. And as we're recording, it is a grey, miserable end of January day, and it's all a little bit gloomy, isn't it? We're both desperate for the clocks to change and spring to uh, to arrive. Absolutely, I'm getting used to it. I mean, I think with with close family ties. Um, near me here uh, it is nice to be closer to them but yes there's lots of um, lots more flat areas than, than the hills that I'm used to I used to live 1500 meters up a mountain so just getting used to that I can actually um, see the horizon because um, yeah. I was just used to seeing hills <laughs> yeah yeah and that's how I first came across you was via your wonderful mummy who um who told me about what you were up to running raising money in 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 Switzerland uh, for charity? Yes, um, so my my dear mummy is very we're very close and she's been very supportive of my running throughout the years. So I began running in my early twenties. Actually, I wasn't particularly sporty at school. Uh, found this love of off road running and. I've taken my family and friends along the sort of journey with me. And my mum has always been hugely supportive of that, especially when she unfortunately got a diagnosis of breast cancer. Um, this was in 2021, I believe now. And we decided, because my mum always 
when I was training on my long distance runs, would be on the phone to me and we would be chatting along hands-free while I was on the mountain and we were really close through my running. We decided that it was a good opportunity to raise money for Macmillan, uh, specifically the Horizon Centre, which is supporting um, people having chemo in and Brighton. Brighton, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, through through running, through our really close relationship, we were able to really join forces and raise some money, which was which was fantastic. And it's something where we continue to be close through, obviously just being mummy and daughter, just always spending time together, but also through my running. And I'm hoping this year to, fingers crossed, be fit enough to do a 170-kilometer race this wow. summer. Uh, it's called the UTMB, which begins in Chamonix in France and then does a sort of circuit around the Swiss and Italian Alps back to back to Chamonix. And I look to raise money again uh, for Macmillan as well. And so mum and I are just talking about this at the moment. I'm um, planning it. So How is it training in London? So this is a new and exciting prospect. <laughs> I always when it's when it's difficult Charlie I quite like I, I think that gets me excited and like how is this possible you like a challenge don't you I Millie like, I like a challenge and so the the plan is as much as possible to at weekends where I can get out to more hillier places either the south downs up to the come, to Sussex, come and see us we've got oh, yes, we'd love to that would be fantastic um pop out to the Alps I've still got a lot of friends out there so I'll go out as much as I can um, the quite good thing is I don't work too far from an airport, so that means that I can at least potentially on a Friday pop out for a weekend to train. And then being a teacher, having the, the teacher holidays is really useful. So it yeah. means that I can hopefully be quite strategic with my training for it. Yeah, yeah. And do you find running quite therapeutic? Good for the yes. soul? Yes. Oh, completely. I I think it's become very popular now to talk about mindfulness and it's a really important part of mental health and the problem I have is I find it quite hard to sit still <laughs> so as much as I would love to sit and meditate and really sit, be there with my thoughts for me actually I find being on the move um, I find train journeys for example quite therapeutic because of the sense of movement for me running gives me the same thing so actually although I am using the running for training. I'm actually also using it for headspace and just being able to get away from it all. So quite often I will run with music or listen to a podcast and sometimes I just sit with myself and I that come back. That is really fascinating, Millie, because I'm mm -hmm. the same and I didn't realise it until I've just heard you voice it. Do you like the pun there? <laughs> exactly. Um, I to do that. Um, I'm exactly the same. I can't, I've really tried so hard to sit and meditate. It is something that I am working on and I, I'm not going to give up on, but I am so much better when I'm on the move. Totally. Much and I find, I'm much calmer. Yeah. And I find the same thing tends to happen. So, I mean, my running is long distance. Um, so it, it, it often accumulates in quite a few uh, potentially hours on the trail but the first few, the first few minutes, at least, often up to an hour or more, I can be busy in my head and it's quite hard to settle into it. So I'll be thinking about my day or whatever's stressing me out. And then it takes a little bit of time on the move to then just be calm. Yeah. And, and you break through a barrier, don't you? Oh, totally. You totally break through a barrier. And I think it's one of these things where 
I'm very pro trying to um, encourage young people and adults to get out running. One of the biggest barriers I hear is people say, oh, but I'm not very fit, or I, I just can't do it. But if you go for uh, promoting the mental health aspect of it, actually, yeah. it's all about just movement. So if you just go for a walk and then jog a little bit, but you're getting that headspace, yeah. that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you're not breaking PBs or doing yeah. sort of, yeah. 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 you know, exactly. It's, it's about actually just finding whatever works for you through movement to get a bit of time for yourself. Yeah, I sadly have had to retire from running. I I shattered my knee really badly. Uh, uh, six, uh, how many years ago? Eight years ago, and um, I was told by my consultant because I used to do a lot of cross country running, off road running, long distance running was really my thing. Um, and the consultant told me I would never run again. So I decided that that was an my absolute determination that I was going to run again and prove him wrong. And I did two 10K races. And then for three years, every day of January, I ran 5K for charity. But my knee isn't great. And I don't want a knee replacement until I'm in my 50s, ideally. So then hopefully I only have one knee replacement as opposed to two. And so I actually listened last year. I listened um, to a consultant properly and he said Charlie you have a raggedy meniscus and potholes in your cartilage please no more high impact and that was quite hard to stomach um but actually I found other things so for me horse riding cycling skiing and walking you know and it's a good walk I don't I don't dilly dally around (laughs) I am I power walk anyone that has the pleasure of coming for a walk with me will know that I'm on a mission and that's that's been okay um to to replace it with that but it was pretty damn gutting because I love um I love that sort of barrier at about an hour when you're running and then you sort of come into this wonderful zone don't you I want to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about my members club, Ask Charlie's Members Club, where I share exclusive how-to videos as well as recipes with you each month, seasonal homemaking tips and tricks, monthly club Zooms where we all get together and have a group Zoom and I get experts to come and chat to us as well. Members receive exclusive discount codes from some of my favourite brands and a private Facebook group as well. So if you'd like to find out more about becoming a member, I'll leave all the details linked in the show notes. Oh, it's so tranquil. And you have a huge appreciation for suddenly being outside and what the senses give you, you know, what's around you. And I think it's, at the moment, actually, I have a little bit of a hamstring injury and it helps to put things into perspective of how much I do enjoy being outside because at the moment I'm spending quite a lot of time in the gym (laughs) and so it's a nice reminder of just how wonderful it is to be able to get fresh air and be outside even if it's a little bit rainy and you have to put on your coat a little bit blustery as we are used to in the UK uh, it's just getting away from it all and a little bit of a little bit of space and I think we don't always prioritize that um, in yeah. our busy life so yeah. I think I'm a better person from being outside I definitely I'm a better person from it and I think it is really important and you need to sort of 
um, set yourself a goal and a target. And I find, I, I definitely found when I was training for things when I was running um, was a really good thing to focus on. And it just, you know, it became non-negotiable every day. I would do whatever it was that, uh, you know, training wise. And I definitely was a much better, happier person <laughs> from 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 doing that. It's, it's really good for the soul, isn't it? And I think also, you know, when you're going through difficult times, as you have you know with your mum's diagnosis probably actually really therapeutic and cathartic being able to get out oh run. completely and I think watching somebody go through the process of cancer treatment I mean the NHS has been absolutely amazing um but as a loved one watching it you feel very powerless to to do anything and seeing someone you love suffer is, is just horrendous but being able to do a project of of raising money together felt as if you're doing something <laughs> and actually that's that's quite soothing for the soul in itself so it's something that mum and I loved working towards together when mum got her first diagnosis unfortunately since then she has an unrelated second uh, cancer diagnosis and she's being amazing going through the treatment currently at the moment and we're looking to the next project which um all being well august the 30th i will be racing 100 miles so it's it's right now a little bit terrifying but i'm also excited by it <laughs> oh many well done you it is exciting it is exciting and i think it's really great to have things to aim for um and and I, it's wonderful being able to raise money and raise awareness and it gives something sort of uh, a positive focus doesn't it when you're going through difficult difficulties for sure and it's a nice reminder as well to me of the importance of inner confidence um even though it's completely sport related when i first got into long distance running I entered a very big race. Um, it's called the OCC, which stand, is a, a abbreviation of the places it goes through. So the race began in somewhere called Orsiers in Switzerland, went through Champec and then back into Chamonix. And it was a 53-kilometer race with about 3,000 meters of ascent, I think. And at the time, I was living in London, so it's quite. This was about 10 years ago, so we're, we're on a nice sort of full circle now. <laughs> Um, and I had only just really started getting into the running side and there was this opportunity to do this race and I thought, do you know what, let's let's sign up and see what happens. And a lot of running or taking on new challenges, I thoroughly believe is to do with your inner confidence. I mean, of course, you do have to prepare. But for me at the time, I wasn't sure if I would be able to finish it, but I had to really cultivate that belief in myself that it was possible do the necessary steps to be prepared physically but a lot of it is the mental game and actually it's a good reminder um, of how important it is to even though it's scary and a little bit unnerving to think about now 100 miles back in um, 2014 when I did this race I ended up in the top 10 women I didn't expect this to happen but it wow. was an element of actually, if you believe you can do something, and I had a sort of moment, a click moment in the race where I thought, actually, I'm a strong woman, I can do this. And I'm so passionate about that. That kind of catapulted my career in teaching as well to really focus on 
confidence um, because I really believe it is the secret to a lot of things in life. <laughs> a belief in yourself. It really is. It really is. And I think that's why when I heard that you were teaching and you, you particularly are teaching, you know, children um, with speech and language and, and Lambda. Yes. And that is so important to give children um the confidence and to find their voice is so powerful and it's something that I am really really passionate about I had a teacher at school who took my voice away and took my confidence completely away and actually I'm feeling emotional talking about it because she told me not to let noise come out of my mouth and she was the French teacher, the drama teacher, and the music teacher. Now, she she didn't mean it in a nasty way, but you don't see that or hear that as a mm. child. My brother was um, a phenomenal singer, and she made, yeah. they, they had a choir at school, she made the choristers because of my brother and his amazing voice. And in comparison to him, I was terrible. And I don't have a good singing voice, and I know that. But the way she worded it to me made me mute. You know, how can you then stand up in a French lesson and speak French in front of her and your your classmates when you're told not to let noise come out of your mouth? And so that really held me back for years. And for me, something that I'm so passionate about, and I have made all my children do um, Lambda. Um, Millie, what does Lambda stand for? Lambda stands for the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Yes. So it is an acronym for um, the oldest, arguably oldest institution for drama in the UK. And they have made their exams graded exams like music exams they follow exactly the same trajectory uh, available all over the world so it was something it was a project an idea that um came out of me then accepting a job in switzerland at an international school where english although was the main language for many students it was a second language or a third language and yeah. the confidence to, I mean, I was in admiration of the children at the school because if you asked me to public speak in French, <laughs> I would not be as confident. And these children were having to speak in English all the time. And I realized through this opportunity to make it as part of the curriculum, which was successful in doing so, actually how important it was. And I, loved working with the children that were already confident and going for the high grades that was fantastic but I really really feel passionate about the ones who come in and either they hate the prospect of public speaking <laughs> or they're just terrified about it and that was actually me Charlie so I, I used to love theatre and I love drama playing a character because I could become that character but if I had to public speak I would always find myself in situations where I'd have to read from um, a text or in a concert as part of school life when I was at prep school and then and then in my senior school um, and I hated it I'd dread it for weeks I'd get nervous about it I'd feel so self-conscious what would happen if I lost my place in my reading if I tripped on my way to the stage um, what would happen if I mumbled my lines or I had this irrational fear that I would get up 
and I just wouldn't speak. I would, words wouldn't come out. I would be completely, as you say, completely mute. And um, through, I think, the challenge of that fear is over the years I became fascinated by it. I mean, the actual fear has a name. It's called glossophobia and it means fear of the tongue. And there's an argument that it's in the top 12 fears by, there was one statistic, I think it came from the States, that people fear it more than they fear death, which arguably means that, and someone made a joke about it, that actually you would you would fear far more giving the eulogy at a funeral than being in the casket. Um, so it's one of the top, it is one of the top fears. And it's fascinated me. The older I got, I was looking at it as to why are we so scared of this? It's, I mean, I'm talking to you now. It's like, I'm really easy to talk. Why would suddenly, if you put me in front of an arena of people, would I suddenly struggle with it? So it became a fascination. And then working with young children, it's a bit like learning to ski. You know, if you learn to ski young, it's going to be something that sets you up for life. Exactly. So if, you, yeah. if you can learn to be confident when you're young, you are sorting out your career path. Yes, um, which is why I've made my poor children do Lambda. And I'm, and Love I'm, it. Mommy, can we quit? No, you're not quitting. <laughs> I want them to have the confidence to be able mm. to stand up in a room of people. And I think it's when you have the eyes on you when you are standing at the front and you are looking out to a sea of faces and eyes, that is what is terrifying. And, and I really want my children to have the confidence that they can can do it and to believe in themselves. And I, I and again, I think it starts when you're young, that, that confidence of being able to do it. And, and, and then it opens the doors to so many different opportunities. Whereas I said no to so many things because I was scared. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what got me and I've just realized listening to you talking about it and I hadn't I hadn't realized it was actually church that got me to read Mm. so um we went to church most Sundays as a child and mum occasionally I would have to stand up and do a reading and because I'm very dyslexic mum would she would stand me at the top of the staircase and I would have to project my voice and she would make me practice it probably 10 or 20 times till I knew it word for word and then I was asked to be chapel prefect at my senior school and suddenly I was told I had to stand up and read and and actually I probably ended up reading once or twice a week in chapel which was something that I was terrified about but I knew I'd done it as a young girl so I could do it and that slowly built my confidence up to be able to stand in front of people and, and do a reading but it did take me three years to brave doing a podcast, to be honest, Millie, because I was a little bit terrified about that one. But I'm getting brave. Fantastic. If you, you think have- about how far, what, like now what you do for your profession, it just goes to show that once you can tackle it, yeah, um, it can really, it can be really life changing. And I, I think, and I think that's what I'm passionate about is giving other people the confidence. Yeah, I can do it. They can do it. Yeah absolutely if, if they've got an idea or something that they are interested in or passionate about you don't need to be held back in life you no. just need to be brave and to do it enter that race or enter that challenge or stand up and give that talk whatever it might be but you've got to just have the courage and the self-belief that you can absolutely do it. and I think the teachers have a huge responsibility in facilitating this so as the example that you gave, look what happens when a teacher gets that wrong and how detrimental that can be. 
and I'm very similar. I'm somebody I know for myself, my own teaching um, preferences. If somebody is being supportive and nurturing, um, that's going to elevate me um, yeah. to then really progress. And so I, my, my big thing with the, with being a teacher and working with children is to give that supportive nurturing environment because otherwise people aren't going to want to take the risks you're kind of building people up to then take the risks in their in their public speaking in fact one of the one of the funny things a funny story i can tell you is um i was doing a concert with some young children and they were very worried what's going to happen if something goes wrong and i said look i promise you now i charlie i can't sing i mean my, with my surname is actually quite embarrassing i i really cannot hold a note and um I've tried singing lessons when I was younger to no avail. And I was saying to these children, look, worst case scenario, if everything just goes completely off and you don't say a word, you fall over, it's all dreadful. I promise you, I will stand up and sing. And nobody's going to notice your situation because I can't sing. And that will, that will really take the attention away. What I didn't realise though was when you say this to a group of sort of young teenagers, they then look at this, this could be a challenge. How do we get this voice to sing? <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to. I said, don't you dare. <laughs> this is not an opportunity for this to happen. <laughs> but it really is about just trying to make, it's, it is trying to make it lighthearted and fun yeah. as well. To say, look, actually, what is the worst that can happen? I yeah. guarantee you it's very unlikely to happen. And even if it does, it's how you carry off a situation, how you then confidently pick yourself up from the situation. And style it out as best as you possibly can. And style it out, absolutely. Yeah, but, and that does, that does to come with, with time, it comes with confidence, it comes with self-belief. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it, and and I, think, I think we can all take ourselves a bit too seriously, can't we? And worry too much about what other people think. And the older I get, the more, I'm not going to use the word, but um, it's a bad word followed by it is often what I think of, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I find it quite refreshing, especially when I um, have worked with teenagers in the past, where you think to yourself, at the end of the day, I'm just the old teacher in the room, um, sort of nagging them about homework and things like that. And actually you realize it's so difficult being a young person these days. And actually the older I get, the sort of more relief I feel that I'm no longer um, yes. a young person. Especially with technology and social media these days where the pressure of being yeah. yourself has become, it's become crazy to the point where I think actually, although these things like social media are wonderful tools, they can, actually make quite a toxic environment for young people so it's actually trying to step away from the screen and nurture them how to deal and equip them to deal with the life that is quite often now dominated by technology and social media yeah i i um it's hard parenting through through this um i've got three um almost three teenagers um and and it's hard it's really hard and and one of them in particular is worried about what people think the whole time to the point that they won't do things, mm. you know, just even simple tasks because of what people might think. And it's, mm. um, yeah, I feel lucky that I'm 
older and 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 now don't really care what people think anymore (laughs) it's yeah it's I I worked for for three years in the sort of residential side of um, a boarding school and so you have these really good conversations because you're you're playing the role of auntie um, as well as obviously teacher and it I mean it was it was nerve-wracking and pressurizing when I was 18 going into university Um, but at the same time but now it's everything can be perfected everything can be adjusted and the fact that you're now in a world where jobs are requiring all of the screen time your social media presence it's all all linked and you know a big thing is what you put out on the internet and how that can actually affect your your jobs later on potentially it's this huge pressurizing global world out there that young people are trying to navigate and it is actually about remembering those skills of interpersonal communication and actually where where does my confidence lie is it with my appearance and how I look and how I am perceived on the internet through filters and um, all of these tools that make me look like something I'm not or is it actually through stepping away and spending time with people and connecting with people and looking at more than face value and I think if we can get back to a time actually where that is remembered <laughs> a little bit more I think it, yeah. it is hugely important as that we going to more technologically um dominated society yeah yeah it is quite scary I um have never used a filter and I will never use the filter and I um you know like to show up with no makeup looking bedraggled and I like to be as real as I possibly can I mean yes you want to look your best but at the same time it is so important to be real and not um not this um yeah uh altered altered person by by once in a while on my on my instagram which is dominated by pictures of running in lovely locations because i've been very blessed to have the opportunities i like to do a post where i will talk a bit more honestly about the struggles of running because actually I have to remind myself and people say, oh, you know, you have this fabulous life with all this running. The reality is that is one snapshot of a good day at a good moment on a training run. One representation of days and days where I feel rubbish. It doesn't go to plan. I suddenly question my entire sport and what I'm doing, um, where actually I'd rather be doing something else. just sitting on the sofa. That sounds great. And I think actually we have to keep showing up as, the bad days as well as the good ones because otherwise that's where the unrealistic expectations come in from young people they see this kind of thing and they think why is my life not like that yeah yeah because social media is so often just a highlight a highlight reel and and the real stuff isn't really talked about which is why I try to be as honest as as I possibly can it's quite difficult because for me it's important that I have process stuff before I share it so I'm sharing it from a healthy place it's really important but I do I never plan to talk about my past uh, in such a personal way um, at all but I think I mentioned I don't know things and then people ask me to divulge a little bit more and and, I, and it's important because I think it's then uh, 
you know, you can feel very lonely when you're going through difficult times, mm. you know, when you've got a parent that's unwell or whatever, if it's not talked about openly. And in the past, mm. these things weren't talked about. It was all hush hush, wasn't it? Um, yeah. and, and then that's scary. But when, you know, these honest conversations, I think, are so important um, because it's it's relatable and people can understand. And completely with uh, with with my mum being unwell it's quite interesting actually because the cancer word is is one where we've all been affected by it. I mean the statistics are shocking um but actually people can be quite um if you bring it up if I bring up about my mum for example people's reactions can be quite variable and I completely understand that sometimes it's because they've been so affected so close to them they don't they don't want to talk about it and that's I completely understand that but at the same time, also, I think there are many people who want to be able to have that dialogue and to have that that chat. And so I'm very open about what, what's gone on with, with my mum and um, what we've gone through. And um, uh, with her permission, she's completely happy to be the same, because actually that is part of the story of, of what life's been like for the last few years. Um, I've navigated living away during COVID at one point. Um, it was actually just before my mum's diagnosis but I was away from my family for a year because of travel restrictions then mum got ill and it was navigating turning up to work and being the face of being a strong teacher to do my job and also what was going on at home hundreds of miles away and actually to be able to talk about it and say yes this is me I'm a teacher I'm a runner and I'm going through quite a lot because my mum's got cancer um, to be able to say that was quite empowering because as yeah. human beings we're all going through stuff <laughs> yeah and so many people say I'm fine but they're not you know yeah. it's just that natural like hi how are you good how are you good and then you move on and actually yeah it's it's not necessarily good what's going on behind behind the facade that we put up yeah and yet we've all got stuff I mean there is nobody who doesn't have something <laughs> that they're dealing with and actually to keep that's a sign of strength and resilience that we do keep going and we do show up and be be the, the teacher the mother or whatever we need to be as a support for other people when we're going through things and so we should be talking about it because actually that's life it is it is and life is not rosy it's not easy it's you know it throws us curveballs when we're least it's expecting them and and it I think you know teaching children from a young age about confidence resilience being able to stand up and speak a really good life skills you know setting them up for life that they can tackle things that are thrown their way um, and also what to do when it, goes, when it goes wrong so for example um there's quite a nice symmetry isn't there that when you a public speaking and something goes wrong how do you pick yourself back up well that's with life isn't it what life's not always perfect something goes wrong so how do you pick yourself back up and yeah. and both of them, yeah and about that inner belief in yourself that you can do it regardless of what it is yeah 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 oh Millie this has been so lovely having this conversation it's been so lovely Thank you so much for having so, me. I really hope that the hamstring heals and you can, you know, get get training. And um, you've got a website, haven't you? Millievoice.co.uk? Millievoice.uk. Um, and 
all, all things are on there. I'm actually going to be launching a new website very soon on specifically on confidence studies, which is what I call um, tuition for public speaking and being confident. Um, but at the moment, all of the information to do with my running, um, I do a little children's podcast as well for younger listeners. Um, all the information is on there. So um, I yeah, okay. so encourage you. I'm going to link that down in the show notes for everybody to find you. Millie, where is the best place, you know, to get in touch? Via your website or follow you on Instagram? Instagram generally is is a great one. So at Millie Voice Runs um, is is as the label. (laughs) Um, That's a great one to connect. And then, um, yeah, from there, all the other information is available. So uh, that's probably the easiest. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I didn't know that you had your podcast for, for little ones. Yes, I just, I started it. We've done one season so far. I had this idea of how could you do a little bite-sized episode, which is complementary to a young child's attention span, um, yeah. when they're in the car or when busy mums are cooking. And it will be, I work with authors um, with their picture books. I will share the story and then we'll talk about a common theme. Um, and they're very little bite-sized episodes. Um, it's called the Petit Pois Pod. So the listeners are oh, my I little love that. And um, we're just looking now into uh, getting the second series together. So it's very exciting. And it's a great way to connect with um, authors who are doing fantastic work. Um, Yes, it's just a little little project, which I'm very passionate about. Oh, that's so lovely. Right. I'm leaving that link down below as well. (laughs) I think it's really lovely, particularly the children when they are on the school run, on the way home from school and they've had a busy day just actually they don't want to be bombarded with a parent asking lots of questions I think it's lovely just to put something on to listen to for them to decompress so by the sounds of it that could be perfect for on the way home from school listen exactly it's a it's a sort of 10 up to 10 minutes of just a little bit of a chat think about a story and ignite the imagination amazing I love it oh Millie it's been such a pleasure to have you um on the podcast thank you so much I've absolutely loved it and I love all the things you're doing Charlie so keep being you you're amazing please will you send your dear mummy lots of love I loved it she came to stay and we had tea together and and it was so lovely meeting your father who gave me a couple of trout which honestly I will never forget I was so happy I mean this The random things people can give me, but t- a pair of trout was just wonderful. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, Millie, thank you. Lots of love. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast, if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button. It helps other people know that we exist, and I would be so grateful of that and leave me a review. The more subscribers we have, the more episodes I can put on for you. So please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button.